If you want my notes, you can text notes to the number that comes on the screen, and what is in front of me will be sent to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or text notes, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, and it says this, there he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for you, O Lord of hosts. But the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they seek my life to take it. I'm gonna jump down to verse 18. God said that, yet I have 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. I came to tell you this morning, we're not in a cultural war. We are in a spiritual war. The title of this message is Back to Baal. Let's pray. So Lord, we declare right now your word is true. We declare, let every man be a liar. We declare it's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Lord, I pray right now that you would breathe your spirit upon your word. I pray the logos would become rhema. Let it become alive today. I pray right now you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. We declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place, on these property. I come in agreement with Pastor Jordan, and I say frustration and worry go. I pray right now, Thanksgiving come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Nobody came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And all God's people said, amen, amen. and amen. Before we begin, I want to let you know a few things. Number one, God loves you. Jesus died for your sins. All sin in every sin. This morning is not about God loving you. He's already proved his love for you on the cross. Today is about you loving him. Can I get an Amen. So today I'm, just, I'm exposing a demonic spirit that has made its way into America and unfortunately in the church. I want to let you know that this is not a political message. This isn't personal. This is biblical and this is spiritual. So a lot of people get confused when they hear pastors preaching biblically truthful words and people that may be spiritually immature or even on the ignorant side of things may say, well, well, you're mean or harsh. Or people would come into the church and say stuff like, well, that's not going to reach the lost. Well, no, duh. I'll be clear with you. I'm not trying to reach the lost this morning. I am preaching to equip the saints. So if you are lost, what do we mean by lost? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, welcome. He loves you. He died for you. If you want to give your life to the Lord, there'll be someone here afterwards that will pray with you. But the goal this morning is not outreach. So we've confused the, the, the role of the church in America. Because here's why. Because uh, uh, so many people get saved on Sunday mornings because the church people gather and they bring their lost friends in. That a group of pastors got together and they said, well, since so many people get saved on Sunday, Sunday should be about reaching the lost. No, sir. That's not a biblical model for church. The biblical model for church is churches for the Lord. Do so you know what that means is? We put these lights up in the tent. We got fans going. And, and for the first time ever in this tent, I'm a little chilly right now. I slightly regret taking on my jacket this soon. 
Okay, but, but we do our best to make it comfortable for you. And the, the building over there is going to be beautiful. It's a $7 million project over there. It's, it's, it's beautiful, okay? And, and, and we want you to enjoy it, but do, don't get it confused that it's about you. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. And Sunday morning is not to reach the lost. You know, Fort Worth led 1,700 people to the Lord. 1,700 people gave their life to the Lord. Hold on, not in services because we don't count those numbers. We don't know how many people get, got saved last year because we don't count them because we don't take people in a back room and hijack them. I've never been held hostage, but I've been in a back room at a revival service, okay? And I don't want to do that to you. So I don't know how many people got saved on a Sunday, but we had 1,700 people give their life to the Lord in line waiting to get food. And I know that's happening here because I see the line when you guys serve your community. It's wild. But watch this. Listen, people are supposed to get saved outside the church. The church is supposed to go get people saved. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're supposed to be light in a darkness. But watch, we've confused that you think leading people to the Lord is your pastor's job. Listen, your pastor's not an evangelist or shouldn't be an evangelist. He should be a shepherd that equips the saints to go do the work of the ministry. So this is important because when I'm going to preach today on biblical truth, I don't want you to say, man, you're a mean, judgmental, harsh preacher. That's not going to reach the lost. That is not the goal today. I want you to be equipped with the word of God so that you can be a solid Christian that can handle the waves of life, the attacks of the enemy, the storms of the enemy, and that you will be strengthened and fortified in your faith. Last thing I'll say to you today is I'm gonna be preaching on mature topics. I don't see any kids in here, but if you have any children in here, we have children's ministry for you. We put out some warnings. We just want parents to be equipped when your kids are gonna hear this kind of stuff. Uh, this is a spiritual warfare message and Waco is a spiritual warfare church. You've been in a tent for an extra year because of spiritual warfare. Do you know there's been multiple churches we're not trying to defame anybody, we're not trying to talk bad about anybody, we're not trying to dishonor anybody, but we're trying to expose demons. But there's been multiple churches before we bought this building from an investor who inflated the price on us way too much. It was not a good deal. We overpaid for it, but it's worth it because the Lord told us to be here. I remember when we met with our lenders, they're like, how much do you think this is worth? And I told them about a million dollars more than they're asking for. He said, you're the first pastor I've ever heard ever tell me that you're paying, you're overpaying by a million dollars. And I said, you told me, what do I think it's worth? You didn't say, what is it worth to me? What is obedience worth to me? So, so, so look at... But there has been multiple churches that have owned this building before us that have tried to build the church there that, that stopped due to different kinds of scandals. Multiple, not one, multiple. So maybe, just maybe, the enemy does not want a thriving, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost church on East Waco Drive on this side of town. What is spiritual warfare? I'm going to make it simple for you. Spiritual warfare is spiritual opposition to the will of God through the help of evil spirits. Spiritual warfare is the resistance by spiritual forces to the will of God. That's what it is. So 
When, when you are feeling spiritual warfare, it is resisting the will of God to be done in your life. Ephesians 6, you guys just went through the whole wearing dunamis series. Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, over spiritual forces of the evil and heavenly places. Let me help you. I hear far too many Christians say unbiblical statements like, I don't want to be over spiritual. And my response is, then do you want to be under spiritual? Well, I, I don't know if I believe all of that. So let me get this straight. If you're a Christian, just wave your hand at me. If you're a Christ follower, if you have your faith in Jesus, wave your hand at me, okay? So let me get this straight. So you believe that a teenage girl was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. She gave birth to God in the flesh, Jesus, who gave up his divinity, put on humanity, walked the earth for 33 years, did more miracles than any books on the world could contain. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He overcame death, sin, and the grave. He rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and one day is coming coming back for you and me. You believe that, but you don't want to be over spiritual. So you believe that, but you don't want to be over spiritual. Y'all, our faith is spiritual. Our warfare is spiritual. And we have to be spiritual people that understand God's word. And it says this, that we are wrestling against demonic principalities. We are wrestling against spiritual forces. There is spiritual warfare. Can I get an amen? amen. So we have to understand what is spiritual warfare about? It is always about your worship. It is always about your ability to worship God. So what is the, what is the warfare of your worship where it, it's a biblical term called idolatry, where something else gets your worship besides God and God alone? So Satan wants to be worshiped. This is why he fell from heaven. But if he can't be worshiped, he'll try to get you to worship anything but God. Say that again. Satan wants your worship. Those that worship Satan, we call Satanists. But if you're not going to be a Satanist, he doesn't care. He'll settle if you worship anything but God. And this is what we call idolatry. And God warns us over and over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament to not worship anything but him. I'll take you to the Ten Commandments. It says this, you shall not have any other gods before me. Number one, you shall not make for yourself any card image or likeness or anything of heaven above and the earth beneath or the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down and serve them. Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5 reflects it. What is this idolatry? Idolatry is the worship of any material representation of a deity. Idolatry is worshiping anything material. Is that our kids over there? You guys are used to that. I'm like, okay. They're just paging all of the parents right now, all at once. Okay, a few more weeks, a few more weeks. There'll be a little bit of sound buffer. All right. Okay. It is anything that you would worship that is a material. So you can worship your bank account. You can worship icons. You can worship celebrities. You can even worship your pastors if you're unhealthy. It's any material thing that you have created that you begin to worship or represents God. This morning, I want to expose what I'm calling the dark trinity of idolatry. 
the dark trinity of idolatry. And I want to expose this. I want to expose the God of Baal, the God of Ishtar, and the God of Molech. Are you ready to go? So there was three primary, primary gods of the Old Testament. Now there was thousands and thousands of them, but there's three primary ones and I want to address those three this morning. The first was the god Baal. Baal was known as the possessor and Baal was the primary idolatry of the Bible. So when you are reading the Bible and you're reading how the children of Israel fell to worship something besides God, Jehovah, Adonai, Elohim, all the other names that we mentioned of God today, who is the creator of everything, the number one idolatry or false God of the Old Testament was the God of Baal. I grew up pronouncing it Baal. Some people pronounce it Baal, okay? So Baal is this. Baal was the chief deity or false god of the Phoenicians, uh, Semitic nations, the Canaanites, the Babylonians, and the Assyrians. His image was the bull. There's over a hundred scripture referencing warning Baal and warning of Baal worship. The first time we see the appearance of Baal is in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 32, I'm gonna just, just preface this. This is the story of uh, Moses in Joshua. They've come out of Egypt, the 10 plagues, they crossed the Red Sea, they're coming into the promised land and they're making their way to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where Moses is gonna go meet with the Lord. And as he's meeting with the Lord, God is by hand writing the 10 commandments on a piece of stone. Well, the children of Israel did not wait long enough. This is wild. This is one of the biggest things the Lord just spoke to me on my fast. This is crazy because the children of Israel were in slavery. The first form of slavery in human history was from Africa to the Jews. From the Egyptians to the Jews is the first place that we see slavery in human history. So the Jews were enslaved for 430 years in Egypt, and then God delivers them out because God's heart is freedom. He delivers them out, and as they're making their way to Sinai, this is wild. It's approximately six-day journey from the Red Sea to the place of Sinai, and then within six days, they are already complaining, grumbling, lost their thanksgiving, talking about going back to a place of bondage and slavery and are asking Aaron to make them a new God Baal. 430 years of slavery, watch, and they lost their Thanksgiving in six days. You want to see how spiritually strong you are? Close your eyes and start thanking God and see how long you last. How long can you consistently thank God for things without stopping or getting tired? Isn't it amazing that we never get tired of complaining? We never get tired of our frustrations. We can repeat them to everyone around us on social media. It's like we sustain ungratefulness. But the moment we start thanking God, all of a sudden you got about 20 seconds of Thanksgiving and then you lose it. Why? Because we've been conditioned to Baal worship. And then they turned and said, God didn't respond. Let us come up with something new. So what they do, they went to, this, this is in Exodus chapter 32. It's in your notes. So they went to Aaron and they said, make us a God. Now this is actually blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in its first form because they started attributing to a golden calf what God did in Egypt. Which blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is attributing to Satan what God has done. 
So they're committing a blasphemous act of Baal worship. This was the first time, and this was one of the largest worship services in history where all of Israel is worshiping a golden calf named Baal. Exodus 32, it continues. And as Moses and Joshua are coming down the mountain, Joshua heard the noise of the people, verse 17 of Exodus 32, shouting, and he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. Why did he hear war when they were worshiping Baal? Because Baal worship is spiritual warfare. Baal worship, it was a constant temptation for the Israelites, particularly when it was endorsed by the king or the government. Huh, I was thinking about this this morning in my quiet time. It's, it's amazing how we're so convinced of separation between church and state, even though that phrase is not in our constitution. And all throughout history, until America, the state chose the religion. America is the first nation that said the separation is we get to choose our own religion. Separation between church and state for those that don't know history wasn't intended for Christians to not be involved in their local government. It was to keep the government out of the church. So watch, anytime the state or government begins to approve, endorse, or promote Baal worship, the people quickly adhere to it. Watch this. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30 says, And a king named Ahab, son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before them. It had been a little thing, it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jer Jeroboam, son of Nebat. He took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. Look at this. He erected an altar to Baal in the house of Baal, which was built in Samaria. Verse 33. And Ahab made an Asherah, or an Asherah pole. I'll talk about that in a sec. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all of the other kings did before him. Why is this important? Because through the worship of Baal and other gods came the combined erotic acts of perverted heterosexual relationships, homosexual activity, violent sexual acts, body piercing, including genitals, body cutting, and an infatuation with blood, both drinking and drinking, and prostitution and ceremonial orgies. So let me explain to you what Baal worship or what the king of Israel, this is the king over God's people, he married a witch who's named Jezebel, who was named after Baal. Her father was named Ethbel, which meant man of Baal. So man of Baal, Ethbel, trained his, his daughter in how to be a priest of, a priestesses of Baal. This is what she did. So then she seduces the king of Israel to build a house of Baal in Israel to get all of Israel to worship Baal. So this would be like taking a strip club, a Planned Parenthood, and a church and combining them. And that's what a Baal worship house looked like. And it's not far from some churches we find today. This is not a cultural war. This is a spiritual war. And just for the record, those are not churches, those are sex cults. Second God I want to expose today is the God of Ishtar. Ishtar 
is the god of perverted sexuality. In ancient myology, they believed that Baal's wife was Ishtar. Ishtar also was referred to as Ashtar, Ephrodite, Venus, Juno, or the spirit of Jezebel. She is the goddess of prostitutes. From Ishtar, we get the word porne, which we get the, it's the literature of prostitute. It is where we get the word porn from. So in ancient writings and in ancient art, we see all of these clay statues of her naked constantly. And the reason why she's always naked is because she was the inventor of pornography. She's also called, called Eros from the Greek, which is the word that we get for erotic. She was, Asherah poles were used as images to worship her. So literally the first forms of pornography were these Asherah poles or naked erotic poles that had images of Ishtar for the people to worship. So this is what uh, the, the King Ahab set up in that temples of Baals. She was also the one that dwell, dwelled in taverns. So you remember the story of Nineveh and Jonah, where God called Jonah to go minister and witness to the people of, of Nineveh and prophesy their destruction? Their primary God in Nineveh was the God Ishtar. And Ishtar was a witch. Waco knows a thing or two about witches. Just recently, the local government here in Waco posted about a local witch shop that can read you tarot cards, do potions for you, cast spells on your behalf. And because you have a bold pastor that's not a coward, he reaches out and said, hey, this is unacceptable. The Ministry for Liberty and Justice did a post about it. And the day after they did a post exposing your government with the mayor that claims to be a Christian and remind you that the, the primary job of any Christian, mayor or not, is to please the Lord, not placate to the people. The day after for Liberty and Justice did a post about this, this witch store here locally that, that, that the city... Uh, promoted there was a pig sacrifice done on the property of this tent the day after if you got a weak stomach don't look at the picture that's the actual picture of the sacrifice that happened on this property do you know what the name of that little witch coven was Balefire. ishtar is a witch Ishtar deals in witchcraft and sex is her form of worship. They used to dance around themselves, cutting themselves. Her sexuality breaks convention. It bends sexual lines. It's rampant, ever-changing sexuality because she is a goddess of war and her war is on purity. Church Ishtar was the first gender bender. In some ancient writings, she identifies as a man and a woman. She had the power to turn women into men and men into women. This is crazy because in the earliest writings, she was known as Baal's wife. In later ancient writings, she was known as a man. So Eshtar changed her gender. And not only does she change her gender, but she changed her priest's genders. 
she was the priest of transitioning. This is wild. In ancient writings, the rainbow was connected to her. Ishtar was worshipped in various manifestations. Her cult often in included ritual prostitution and ecstatic prophecy. According to 1 Kings chapter 18, you see this when Ishtar or Baal's priests were cutting themselves erratically as they were worshipping. This is their behavior. This is wild, church. The Babylonians, Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar the, the II, erected an elaborate gate in her honor, make, marking the end of a sacred processional route. So they used to parade through the city worshiping Ishtar. The second Roman writer, Apuleius, wrote about the goddess parade where men would wear soft clothes, eyeliner, and heavily exaggerated makeup or look like drag queens that would parade through the streets. She required not one day of worship, but an entire month celebrating her sexuality. The month of public sexual worship was known as Junium in ancient ancient writings. St. Jerome identified it as the month of June, where she claimed one month of the year to take possession of an entire culture. Through the procession of the culture, she takes control of the next generation. Church, this is not a cultural war. This is a spiritual war. And if this false God cannot transition your children, she'll try to take them before they're born. We see the third God of the dark trinity, the God of Moloch. Who was Moloch? Moloch was the God of murder and child sacrifice. Moloch or Moloch Mil or Milcom was the God of murder and the originators of child sacrifice. We see in Leviticus chapter 20, verse two, it says, so the people of Israel say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or the strangers or sojourners of Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch will surely be put to death. Moloch occurs eight times in the Old Testament and one time in the New Testament. Moloch is found generally in the context of cultic child sacrifices and is particularly connected to the phrase to cause one son or daughter to pass over by the fire of Moloch. We see this throughout Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 31 it says and they had built the high places of Topath which was in the valley of the son of Hinnom to to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, which I did not command. Watch. Nor did it come into my mind. This is important, church. Moloch had had to bring the parents to bring their child to an altar of sacrifice. And it was, uh, this is wild. I want you to understand this. They had these giant altars that they erected. And if you were going to worship Molech, a parent had to bring their child to this altar and they would burn them alive on the altar of Baal. This was Molech. This was connected to Baal. Children were not safe in the ancient world. They could be killed and disregarded at any time. If any child had a defect, they could be disregarded or they could be offered to Molech for any kind of disformities. 
disformed children and perfectly fine children. And in fact, they got a, a never ending supply of children to sacrifice to Molech because all of the babies that were conceived with the prostitutes of Ishtar, because in Baal worship services, they would have sex with each other. And every prostitute they got pregnant, they would take the prostitute's child and that would be the sacrifice to Molech. So just to be clear, every person that says some comment like the God of the Old Testament is so hateful, why would he kill all of those innocent people? No, no, this is the people he's killing. This is what he's confronting. Baal worship, Ishtar worship, and Molech worshiper. And if you're not aware that there is a great biblical pattern of this murder against children, we see it in Exodus chapter one. You know this, the story of Moses, where uh, Pharaoh is nervous about Israel growing too strong. So what did he do? He had to try to murder all of the male children. In Exodus chapter 13, it says, so they ruthlessly made the children of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard services, mortar, brick, all kinds of work in the field. They worked them ruthlessly and made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of them named Shifra and the other Puah, which served as midwives to the Hebrew women, see them on the birth stool. If it's a son, you shall kill him. The entire story of Moses being hidden in the basket was worship to Moloch. Then we see it again in Matthew chapter 2, where there was a king named Herod who's trying to stop the birth of Jesus. So he's having all of the children that are boys murdered in Matthew chapter 2, trying to stop the coming of Jesus. This is all connected to Moloch. So church, this is important you understand this. The worship of Ishtar and Moloch is sex and child sacrifice. Because when you worship sex, you're always going to have to sacrifice your children in order to worship your sexual desires. And if you're unaware of what God thinks about his children, let me teach you today. In Matthew 18, verse six, it says, whoever causes one of these little ones to believe me in sin, it would be better for them to have a great millstone fastened around their neck and be drowned in the sea. If you've been to Israel and seen a millstone, it's a rock about half the size of a car. And Jesus is saying, this is the nice Jesus. This is the gentle Jesus. This is the what would Jesus do, Jesus? He's saying it would better for you to be drowned in the sea than to cause one of these young ones to stumble. Proverbs 6 says there's six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable unto him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Look at this. Hands that shed innocent blood. This is Proverbs 6, verse 16. It's in your notes. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Matthew 19, verse 13, the children were brought to him, Jesus, that he may lay hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked, that word rebuke has to do with honor. It says they rebuked people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me, do not hinder them, for such belong the kingdom of heaven, and he laid his hands on them. This is very important. So the disciples, the followers of Jesus rebuked. Anytime you see the word rebuke in the Bible, it's connected to the word honor. Honor is assigning heaven's value. So people around Jesus did not value children the same way Jesus valued children. So let's look at the word of God and see how God values children according to scripture. Luke chapter one, verse 44, it says, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Please keep this on the screen. 
This is the story of Mary who's pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth, her cousin, pregnant with John the Baptist. Elizabeth is speaking in this scripture in Luke chapter one. So when Mary walked into a room filled with Jesus in her stomach and pregnated by the Holy Spirit and walked into the room that Mary was in, John the Baptist in the womb leaps and gets filled with the Holy Spirit. This will blow your theological bubble when you don't think a child could get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because according to scripture, a child in the womb can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now hold on, because this is going to break your woke, progressive, unbiblical, fake Christian, making for yourself a new Christianity understanding. So what does God's word say? Remember, the Bible was written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic. So when you see in the Greek, it's, or in, the, in the New Testament, it's written in Greek. So what is the Greek word for baby there? The Greek word for baby is the word brephos. What does brephos mean? It is an unborn or newborn child, infant, babe, or child in arms. I'm going to say that again. Do we have the definition? If we do, put it up. Brephos means an unborn baby or a newborn baby. Okay, well, this is so important. Come with me. I'm taking you to Bible school now. Luke chapter 144. It says the baby or the brephos in the womb leaped. Ready for this? But then if you go to the next scripture I have for you in your notes, Luke chapter two, verse 16. Now it's talking about Jesus as a baby. And it says they went in haste because remember I already read you the scripture that Herod's trying to kill the babies. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. We're about to go Christmas. You all know this. This is the nativity scene. So it says, keep the scripture up there. The baby lying in the manger. The baby word used in the Greek in Luke chapter two is the word brephos. It is the same word used in Luke chapter one. Watch this. So God says, watch, I value John in the womb. It's the same word of John in the womb to describe Jesus outside of the womb. Watch this. Jesus, God uses the same language to identify a child in the womb than he does a child outside of the womb. Why? Because that's why Jeremiah 1, 5, says before I formed you in your womb I knew you before you were born I consecrated you and I appointed a prophet of the nation God puts the same value on children in the womb that he does outside of the womb what so if God values children like this where did you get your value for children we've been indoctrinated by Molech worship We've been indoctrinated by a world's understanding. Yes. And then you hear stuff like, my body, my choice. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you start thinking with the world's mindset. You start thinking through a Molech cultural worldview. I'm going to go a little further in this because I just read you from Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter one, he's talking about knowing children in the womb. You ever think about why, you know, we, we, we use that all the time. Pe people preach that constantly. Before you were even formed in the world, God knew you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Watch. And we talk about it from the aspect of God has great things for you. But he's talking about children that aren't born. Yeah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Watch, the one 
who talked about children in the womb was known as the weeping prophet. Do you know why he was called the weeping prophet? Let me teach you this morning. He was known as the weeping prophet or the one the Lord would raise up. He was a son of a priest. He was called to God as a young boy. He was a prophet of Judah's midnight hour. He was the most despised and persecuted prophet of his time. He was opposed by people, by false prophets, by kings, by priests. You know what that means? He wasn't a popular celebrity preacher. He was mocked. He was whipped. He was accused. He was threatened. He was despised. He was hated. He was rejected. He was imprisoned and he was cast into a pit. And he doesn't just declare God's heart, but he embodied God's heart. There's 160 references of God's judgment throughout Babylon. And he was an eyewitness to every one of them. He was an eyewitness to Jerusalem's destruction. And the reason for their destruction was the worship of Baal or Moloch or watch child sacrifice. Go read the book of Jeremiah. It will tell you the story. Jeremiah 19 verse 4. Because the people have forsaken me and profaned this place by making offerings to other gods. What were the offerings? The offerings were the children. Whom neither nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah had known. Because they have filled this place. Look at this. With the blood of the innocent. Proverbs chapter 6. What is the blood of the innocent? It's children. They built themselves high places to Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command them. Verse six, therefore behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that this place shall no longer be called Topeth, but the valley of the son of Hinnom, or the valley of slaughter. This is wild. Uh, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he walks the hills of Jerusalem and he sees the valley of bones, baby's bones in the valley from being offered to Moses. There was an entire valley of baby bones. And this is why Jerusalem fell into Babylon captivity. This is why. Because they offered their children to the God of Molech. Hear this prophetic warning today. If Jerusalem fell because of it, America will fall because of it. Jeremiah wept over the valley of murdered babies. This is not political. This is spiritual. Let me ask you this question. What would possess someone to do this? And the answer is only a demon. I'm saying this in love. I'm trying to say this in kindness, but only a foul demonic spirit would cause false worship to a false God, to a sexual God, and to a child sacrificing God. And church, if it doesn't make spiritual, if it doesn't make sense naturally, it's because it's spiritual. This dark trinity mimics a holy trinity. Baal was the father of the false gods of idolatry. Molech mimics Jesus. Instead of Jesus laying down his life, Moloch takes life. And Ishtar mimics the unholy spirit. See, when we turn from God, Baal comes back. 
This is a very important scripture for you to see this morning. Matthew 12, 43. Matthew 12, 43. This is Jesus speaking. Look what he says. When an unclean spirit has come out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house. Remember, Baal's, one of Baal's meanings is owner of a home. I will return to my house for which I came. When it comes, I will find my house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself. Then they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the person is worse than the first. Look at this. Then so it will be for an evil generation, or that is what it will be for America. Church, America has gone back to Baal worship. And the demons that were kicked out of a house or were kicked out of a generation have come back to another generation. And watch this, as we have kicked God out of our country, as we have removed prayer from schools, as we've removed symbols of crosses from our government, as we've removed the 10 commandments, have they've taken God off every part of government they can. As we have removed God from America, I wanna let you know as we've kicked God out, Baal has come back. We have divorced ourselves from the one true God. Now we are worshiping God, the self-worship of prosperity. We worship when the government tells us how we can worship and when they tell us when they can worship. Remember COVID when we stopped worshiping? Do you remember when Ishtar worship was allowed? When strip clubs were open? Do you remember when abortion clinics were open but the church had to be shut down? Because you can pass COVID at a church but you can't do it at a strip club or an abortion institution. I'm telling you we have gone back to Baal. We've gone back to Ishtar. We've gone back to a sexual revolution where we are the number one consumers of pornography in the word, the world. The dance of Ishtar is now called Pride Month. America has removed the crosses and replaced it with the rainbow, where now you see rainbows on our Capitol White House, on national landmarks. Rainbow is their color of worship. We see Ishtar, the god of perversion, with her logos or the new identity. Imagine this, that California spent millions of dollars removing crosses and adding rainbows all over their state. The nation worships Ishtar, the god of perversion. Now, men dress up like women and parade in the streets and parks in schools in churches except for a park in Waco where our church stopped it. Women are being celebrated for being masculine and masculinity of men is now considered toxic. We see women performers are celebrated when they're vile and vulgar and masculine and we celebrate male performers when they're feminine and sing in dresses. Sex is no longer biological. We made up a new word that's now gender fluid or it's a new social construct. We don't follow the silence, science. We manipulate science as bail worship. 
They told us for the last 20 years that you were born that way. Now they're telling you it doesn't matter how you were born because you can change your gender. It is Ishtar worship. We've gone back to Molech worship. Abortion is modern day child sacrifice. It is not political. It is not cultural. It is spiritual. Church, let me tell you, it is Baal worship. Abortion is modern day Baal worship. And America demands it's abortion. It ab- demands abortion on demand. It celebrates abortion. We just saw Ohio pass laws that they can abort a child at any time. You see a statue in New York uh, honoring the god Methuselah, which is celebrating abortions. We have sacrificed over 70 million babies on the altar of Baal in America alone. And Im- abortion is now embraced in America. They now fight for it because it is their god to worship Moloch. That's what it looks like in America, but what does it look like in your home? See, you've gone back to bail when your sexual sin is out of marriage. You've gone back to bail. When you're addicted to pornography, you've gone back to bail. When you affirm their gender as a new normal, you've gone back to bail. When you're open and affirming, you've gone back to bail. When you're more concerned about offending people than offending your God, you've gone back to bail. See, when you're more loyal to a demonic political party than you are the word of God, you've gone back to bail and when you've rationalized abortion for any reason you've gone back to bail I'm shocked as a pastor how many claim Christians march with the political party that does not worship your God but it worships your God's enemy It worships Moloch. I'm shocked when I see wicked false teachers that call themselves pastors get on YouTube and for any stupid foolish reason try to justify abortion. It's Baal worship. And the American church is so blind is so distracted with God blessing them. You're so worried about the economy and the interest rates and the price of groceries when you're not concerned at all with the price of sin. This is not a cultural message. If you think this is a political message, you're spiritually blind. It's wild how much, can I get someone on the piano? It's wild how, how often I get called this bold preacher when it's all I'm doing is teaching you the Bible. We have people in Fort Worth, probably not in Waco, but we have people in Fort Worth, they're like, I don't know if I can go to this church. You're so political. Like, what part of that's political? Oh, you mean you're political. We're living in Romans 1. Go read Romans 1 this week. Talks about a debased mind. That people invent new ways of doing evil. And now... If you call sin out 
you're judgmental? So preaching like God told Jonah to do? Warning people of Ishtar worship now makes you judgmental? God didn't send Jonah there to judge a city. He had him preach judgment because he intended to show mercy to a city. You're not a mean Christian. You know what's wild is when Christians say foolish things like don't judge me, what they're saying is I don't identify as a Christian. Because according to our Bible, Heather just preached this amazing uh, sermon a few weeks ago at Fort Worth on judgment. And we're not called to judge those outside the church. God will do that. Oh, but we certainly are those that claim to be a Christian. See, every time you say, don't judge me to a brother and sister in Christ, what you're saying is, I don't want to be sharpened. I don't want to be strengthened. I don't want to be fortified. I don't want to be Christ-like. I don't identify as a follower of Jesus. Church, we've gone back to Baal. Our nation has gone back to Baal. They hang rainbow flags and trans flags from our White House. They parade in the streets. Oh, ah. can I just pastor you today? They don't even hide evil anymore. And then they tell you, you're too churchy. They tell you, you're too preachy. Or they say, black people can't talk that way. Are we gonna pretend when we get in church? Or you go to that white church, don't you? Look around this tent. Every color's represented. I don't know if you can't, no, 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 no. You don't have to clap, you don't have to clap. Listen, listen, if, if you can't say it in a church setting and all of a sudden it's not true, then it ain't true. Elections are coming up. Are you ready for them to try to divide you? Are you ready for them to try to divide your church? I'm telling you, this is a spiritual war. And it's not about any stinking political party. The Republicans are just as evil as the Democrats. Trust me, we're involved. It's about heavenly justice. It's about good versus evil. The prophet Isaiah said a time is coming where men will call good evil and evil good. Church, we are living in that day. Now hear me today. America's not gonna turn back to God until we turn back to God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? The prophet Elijah was in this intense place where he felt alone. There was a cultural, spiritual war going on. He confronted Baal 
fire fell from heaven and he's feeling the effects of spiritual warfare. And God said, Elijah, I have 7,000 men of Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal, whose mouths haven't kissed him. Hear this word today. He said, I've raised up a remnant who will not worship Baal, that will worship the one true living God. I believe God is raising up a remnant in America whose knees won't bow to Baal, whose mouth won't kiss them, who will worship the one true living God. How do you break Baal worship? How do you break the strongholds of Baal worship? You break it by turning your heart back to God. All over this place, Mm. can we just pray in our heavenly language right now nobody's prophesying in tongues this isn't out of biblical order but if you got a prayer language you just use it right now if you don't have that gift yet the Bible says that God's a good father that gives generously gives generously just give right now. Just right. Just, just ask him to give it to you right now. Father, we declare right now that you are the giver of spiritual gifts. I thank you. The sword of the Spirit's being deposited right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now. I pray right now that you would come and abide in your people right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would dwell. I pray that you would dwell in this place. Father, I pray right now that you would just reveal any form of Baal worship in our life any form of Ishtar worship in our life, any form of Molech worship in our life. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray the prayer that David prayed. Lord, would you search my heart? Would you reveal to me anything in my life that doesn't please you? right now let's just go into a time of personal repentance anything in your life right now anything in your life that is not pleasing to the Lord any area of perversion any area of Baal worship worshiping of money owner any idolatry anything that you have made higher than the Lord just you don't think about anybody else just you don't think about family don't think about friends don't think about culture anything in your life right now just a moment of 
personal repentance to you. Father, I pray right now, we repent. We repent as men and women, Lord, if we've said anything that's above you. Lord, if we've worshiped anything that's above you, if we've worshiped money, if we've worshiped success, if we've worshiped fame, if we've worshiped notoriety, Lord, any, anything, God, the American dream, anything that we've prioritized above you. Lord, I pray right now in this moment of personal repentance. We ask you to search our hearts. I pray right now, addiction to pornography breaks off your sons and daughters. I pray spirit of lust breaks off your sons and daughters. I pray the spiritual mind control of Ishtar and gender ideology break off your sons and daughters. I pray of sound mind on them right now. Would you just right now just invite the Holy Spirit to cleanse you right now. Just invite the Holy Spirit to cleanse you. Just invite him to cleanse you. Just invite him right now to trade you his righteousness for your unrighteousness right now. Come on, don't hide anything. Just bring it to the Lord right now. Come on, if there's a tax on your mind, invite him to renew your mind right now. Come on, if there's a heaviness in your heart, maybe you've been in this room and you've had an abortion before. We serve the God that heals, that sets free, that delivers. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He died on the cross to save you for your sin, to forgive you of your sin, to renew you of your sin right now. I'm telling you right now, we serve a God of restoration. We serve a God of healing. We serve a God of miracles. Just lift your hands all over this place. Out loud, just invite the Holy Spirit to say, wash me, renew me, heal me. I pray right now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I pray the Spirit of God come right now. Come on, all over this place, just breathe in the presence of God. Breathe in the presence of God. I pray right now, let the Spirit come. I'm going to invite my wife to come and pray, and we're going to just enter into a different form of repentance. But we just entered into personal repentance. But now I want to do a national repentance. Where first you come and you go before the Lord for anything in your life. Scripture says it like this. Take the speck out of your eye. And then we can go and bring for our, 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 our neighbors in our nation. And so I want to just begin to repent on behalf of the sins of our nation. Where we begin to declare America begin to turn back to God. America begin to turn back to God. Where we don't serve you, Baal. America won't worship you, Baal. We won't worship you, Ishtar. We won't worship you, Molech. So all over this place, we're going to transition from personal repentance. And what I want you to do is begin to repent for the sins of our nation. Repent for the sins of your family. Repent for the sins of our culture.